Well, man, before we get started, man, we have a culture of honor. Um, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever been in a place or, or your workplace, and all of a sudden um, you didn't know that your boss was going to be there, and then somebody comes up to you and says, hey, your boss is here, and you about like lose everything in your stomach. Like, what in the world? I just got back from vacation. Why are you showing up the day I got back from, from vacation? But, but if I could, could I ask Pastor Doug and, and Miss Camden, could you guys stand so that we can honor you guys? Thank you so much for being here. You guys may be seated. For those of you who, who don't know Pastor Doug and, and Camden, they're the lead pastors uh, to the Multiply family of churches, and, and we just want to honor them and say thank you so much for, for being here. Before we get started today, I believe that the church has to be a church that steps into the community, that the church has to listen to the voice of the community, and the church can't be afraid to talk about what's going on in our local community, especially in our context. This past week, uh, you guys know Jen and I were, were on vacation, but, but I saw a message come across my phone, and, and I, I typically don't answer messages when I'm on my phone. In fact, the team had to tell me like 12 hours in, like, stop answering text messages. We'll, we'll take care uh, of everything. But, but I saw a message come across my phone that absolutely broke my heart. And, and many of you guys saw what we posted on social media, but, but this past week at Mooresville High School, a student committed suicide in the school bathroom. N now let that sink in for just a second. Pastor, like we just started service, you're already getting heavy. Absolutely. Because sometimes life is heavy. So sometimes there's real people dealing with real things, but let it sink in a high school student. Committed suicide in the high school. We put a post up on social media. Well, why, why do I share this post? It's not to say, hey, look at what we did. It's not to say, hey, look, we got over 7,000 likes on the post. It's not to say, hey, there were over you know, 400 shares on, on Facebook. But, but what do those numbers represent? Those numbers represent a community that is hurting. Th those numbers represent students that are hurting. Those numbers represent families that are hurting and, and students and families that, that don't understand why life happens the way that it does sometimes. Listen, as a pastor, I don't understand why life happens the way that it does sometimes. I don't fully understand death, if I'm honest with you. I don't fully understand loss, but what I do understand is Scripture tells us in Matthew 25 to take care of the hurting. What I do understand is that in Matthew chapter 28, Scripture tells us to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We can't just talk about Jesus without meeting needs. And we can't just meet needs without talking about Jesus. So, so why, do we, why do we even share this post? We, we, we share this post because our staff is available for any parent, any student, any staff or faculty member at Mooresville High School or anyone that was affected by this tragedy. We want to step into the community. We, we don't want to just act like a church that, that stays within the four walls and acts like everything is good on Sunday morning without talking about the loss and the broken and the hurting in our community. W what would it look like? What would it look like if our church made themselves available? Not, not just when tragedy hits, but in the day-to-day -day experiences of life. Hey, you guys know that family day is coming up. And it's on December the 5th. And usually when I mention family day, we celebrate it, right? Like, hey, we're going to have a bull that people can jump on. We're going to have food. We're going to have fun. But, but why do we even do events like this? It's so that individuals might be able to step into a community that when tragedy hits, they have a church family that they can lean on. 
I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine experiencing what the students experienced, experiencing what the families have experienced, and not having a church community to lean on. I know, Jenna, we've walked, we've walked through stuff in life. Many of you have walked through stuff in life, and I couldn't imagine walking through the hardship of life without having a church community to lean on. That's why what we do matters. That, that's why coming to church matters. That's why being a part of a family matters. It's when tragedy hits, we can lean on one another. Continue to pray for those students. Continue to pray for those families. And, and we're going to continue to be the church in our community. So here we go. We're going we're gonna to wrap this series up. We're freedom from fear. We, we've been talking about it for about three weeks. We're stepping in to week four. So, so let me catch you up. If you haven't been here, let me catch you up and tell you what's been going on, kind of give you the backstory. Week one, we talked about the Midianite spirit, that, that it represents a spirit of oppressive cultures. And when you live in an oppressive culture, you hide in caves. And, and caves also represent places of mental darkness. And the enemy will always attack your mind when you're living in the cave. Y- y'all remember that cycle that we talked about? The cycle of fear and anxiety and depression. Man, when, when you're in those mental caves, it, it's like you just go through this cycle of fear, anxiety, and depression. Fear, anxiety, and depression. And you get in this cycle that you feel like you can't break free from. And then in week two, we talked about Gideon. And we wanted to give Gideon a hard time because he was in the bottom of the wine press. Remember, he came out of the cave, and then he was hiding out in the wine press. And what did wine press represent? It represent, represented places of feeling inadequate. That the enemy will always attack your emotions in the wine press. That you'll hear things like you're not good enough. That you don't have the right pedigree. That you don't have the right degree. That you don't have the right lineage. That your past is too dark. But remember, God didn't deliver the Israelites from Egypt so that they could be slaves to fear. God didn't deliver you from your past so that you could be a slave to your future. God didn't deliver you from your past so that you could worry about today. God delivered you from your past so that you can step into the fullness of everything that he has for you. And then in week three, we talked about destroying the root of fear. And we mentioned two specific things. We, we, mentioned, we, mentioned, the, uh, we mentioned Baal, which represented idolatry. Right? What are the idols that you have in your life? What are the things that you need to pull up by the root? How do you destroy the altars of Baal? And then we also talked about the Asherah pole. And what did the Asherah pole represent? It represented sexual immorality in our culture. The idolatry and sexual immorality allow the spirit of fear to make its way in and settle in your life if you don't deal with it. And last week, we identified some strongholds. And we talked about what to expect when you tear down those strongholds in your life. The reality of it is when you tear down strongholds in your life, the enemy doesn't like it. When you tear down strongholds in your life, people are going to be removed from your life, and and that's okay. Life won't always be roses and sunshine just because you cut stuff out. And then we ended last week with blowing the battle horn. Remember in Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 34, and Gideon blew the trumpet, summoning all of these individuals to himself. Why? To prepare for war. So we have to finish the rest of the story. Where we left off, Gideon had 30,000 individuals come to his aid to prepare to fight. And then we pick up in Judges chapter 7. If I had to title this message something today, I would title it Lean and Mean. Lean and Mean. See, all these warriors come to fight. 
And Gideon, Gideon feels like he's ready for battle. And then God says, you have too many men. Like, God, can you do math? Because right now it's still 120,000 to 30,000. They still outnumber us four to one. And you're telling me I have too many men. Let me pick up in Judges chapter 7, starting in verse 1, early in the morning. Gideon and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. Come on, God. I can't deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. Here's here's what I recognized in this story. God was saving Israel from themselves and they didn't even realize it. Midian, I can't deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. And Israel would say, my own strength has saved me. So if I have to stand up here and look like a goldfish in a fishbowl, y'all are going to help me this morning. So can I get everyone to stand up? I need everybody to stand out of their chair. Like, I wasn't expecting to move. So verse 3, now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. So, so hold up. Again, let me, let, me, let me tell you what's going on, the historical facts. It's 120,000 to 32,000. God says there's too many. And then he says, now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So if you're afraid, if you're afraid, you can leave. If you're afraid, you have an easy way out. If you don't want to fight, go back home. If you don't want to fight, you don't have to be a part of this thing. If you don't want to fight, then then you can just see your way out. So I have all of these people standing now. Some of you are like, I don't want to fight. (laughs) Some of you are like, I've never been in a fight before. That's good. That's how we're going to weed people out. (laughs) We're about to tell your past a little bit. So I need two groups to stay standing. If you've ever been in the military, it's, you know, we just came off of Veterans Day. I'm a Marine. I'll always be a Marine, so I'll always use illustrations to honor our service members. But if you've ever been in the military before, I need you to stay standing. Also, if you've ever been in a fight before, I need you to stay standing. So this is the easy way to put it. If you've never been in a fight, go ahead and sit down. You've never been in a fight. Some of y'all are like, I'm sitting down and I've been in a fight. I don't, wanna, I don't want the church to know that I fought before. And some of y'all that are standing up are saying, I feel exposed. <laughs> how many fights you been in? Th- that many? That many? Rich, how many fights you been in? I hope you're on my side. I don't want to fight against you. Years ago. Uh, listen, if I, if I ever have to be in a fight, I'm calling you. All right. I'm looking around to see who's fought before and who hasn't. If I ever need to be in a fight, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with this section over here. <laughs> There's some big dudes and some big ladies over here. I feel, I feel like y'all can brawl. Ashley, can you brawl? You can scrap, can't you? Ashley, can you scrap? How many fights you been in? That many? Man, I feel, I've, like, who's been in, like, one fight? One, y'all can sit down. Y'all are worthless. Like, sit down. <laughs> y'all ain't fighting. <laughs> Hey, if you've lost a fight before, sit down, no, don't sit down. I, I, need some, I, need some people, I need some people to fight. My dad always told me, he said, hey, listen, he said, if you get in a fight, you make sure if it's worth swinging one time, you better keep swinging. Like, we ain't throwing that one-punch nonsense. Like, you're going you to keep swinging. If it's worth swinging once, keep swinging. 
And he said, hey, listen, he said, if you lose, if you lose, it's okay. Just make sure they never want to fight you twice, right? Make sure they never want to fight you twice. So, so Gideon has 10,000 individuals left. But, but God's not done. So, so stay standing for just a minute. I wonder if Gideon was afraid. I, I wonder if Gideon wanted to be a part of that 20,000. I wonder if Gideon wanted to turn back. I wonder if Gideon didn't want to be a part of what God was doing because it seemed insurmountable. But, but then God's not done because what I know is God always wants your best. And sometimes to get your best, your faith is tested. So let's pick up in verse 4. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like dog lap, uh, like uh, with tongues as the dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give you the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. God, are you sure you can do some math? So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. So 10,000, this bowl, I asked y'all to rinse this thing out. There's still floating stuff in here. It's dust. I've drank worse. So could you imagine the scene? The 10,000 that that Gideon has left. God says, hey, take, take all of those people, take them down to the water. And, I, and I'm going to show you how I'm going to separate them. And, and God says, hey, the 9,000, oh, that's a long way down. The 9,700 warriors who get down on their knees and they stick their face in the water I think my beard got wet. They sit, stick their face in the water. Tell them, tell them they can go home. T tell them they can, they can go. So all of my military personnel, I need you to stay standing. All my vets, stay standing. Everyone else, sit down. There's not as many people standing now. And now I got one back there on the camera. Gary, I know I got one in you. Anybody behind me? Got a couple behind me? So what 300 looks like. 30,000 look good. 10,000 may, maybe I can get by with. But 300, the ones that stayed aware. 300, the, the ones that knew kind of what to expect. I imagine that the 300 had been in battle before. I imagine that the 300 knew how to stay aware. Why? Because they, they took a posture of awareness. What did they do? They cupped their hands. Why? So they could lap like a dog. And they could see what was going on. So that if the enemy attacked, they would still be ready. The ones that had their face in the water weren't ready if the enemy attacked. But the ones that lapped like a dog stayed aware. You guys can go ahead and be seated for me. I don't know that the modern church is staying aware. 
See, we say we want to fight, but we've got our face in the water. We say we want to fight, but we stay inside the walls of the church. We say we want to fight, but we stay inside the walls of our small groups. We say we want to fight, but we've never really been in battle. We say we want to fight, but we've never been on the front lines. We say we want to fight, but we don't stay aware. I promised Anwar I would move this so I didn't mess up his, his guitar stuff. Listen, this is what I know. Our awareness helps us to remember that the battle is already won. Judges chapter 7, picking up in verse 10. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura, and listen to what they are saying. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he, being Gideon and Pura, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern people who had settled in the valley, thick as locusts, their camels could, not, uh, their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived. Just as a man was telling a friend his dream. This is what the man said. I had a dream. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. 120,000 enemies. 120,000 individuals. The odds were four to one. I don't think, I don't think that the Midianite uh, camp knew that they had dwindled down to 300, but they knew that God was on Gideon's side. For some reason, they were afraid. See, I think they thought they were really winning four to one. I don't think they knew that it had dwindled down to 300. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 says this, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Catch this, by faith. By, by what? All right, y'all, y'all heard me. Y'all can respond back. By what? Faith. By faith. Faith over fear. Faith over fear. By, by faith. Not, not by who you are, N- not by what you do, not by the college you went to, not by the degree that's hanging on your wall, not by your pedigree, not by the business that your parents started that you inherited, not by what your family has done in the past, N- not by the, the zeros that are in your bank account. And I mean, you have to have numbers in front of those zeros, not just zeros, <laughs> right? <laughs> Somebody's like, I need some numbers in front of my zeros. But by, by faith, by faith they did what? These people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness, their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. See, we pray for the miraculous. Gideon prayed for the miraculous, but what will your response be when God is willing to do the miraculous through you? What will your response be? 
Will you actually follow God in Acts chapter 4, verse 13? Let me read this to you. When they saw the courage of Peter and John. Who were Peter and John? They, they were just followers of Jesus. That's all they were. Who, who are you? Just a follower of Jesus. I'm just, I'm just a follower of Jesus. Who's Zach? I'm just a follower. Sam, who are you? I'm just a follower of Jesus. Derek, who are you? I'm just a, just a follower of Jesus. You do some really cool stuff, but at your core, who are you? Just a follower of Jesus. Amory, who are you? Just a follower of Jesus. Babe, who, who are you? Yes, you're my wife. Yes, I love you, but at your core, you're a follower of Jesus. Peter and John were just followers of Jesus. And they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to do things that I have no business doing. I want to see things that I have no business seeing, not because of who I am, but because I've spent time with Jesus. Listen, I, I'm just Zach Witt. I'm just a good old boy from Lancaster, South Carolina. Sure, I, I've lived overseas. I've seen people healed. I've seen prophecies come true. I've seen the demonic restored. I've seen people baptized. I've seen people saved. But, but I'm just Zach Witt. I've just been with Jesus when he's performed the miraculous. Zach didn't perform the miraculous. Jesus always performs the miraculous. But it had nothing to do with me. I just follow the voice of God. I've been with Jesus. Might step on your toes a little bit, so you might want to pick them off the floor. Maybe you're not seeing the miraculous in your life because you're not spending time with Jesus. See, we want to see the miraculous, but we're not spending time with Jesus. Well, Pastor, I read my Bible. Yeah, but is it staying in your house? Well, Pastor, I do I do my devotions every day. Sure, but do you talk about it with your coworkers? P Pastor, Pastor, I have a good relationship with Jesus. Can I remind you that your relationship with Jesus is never meant for you to hoard and consume, but for you to share to others? Pastor, well, if I could, if I could just get out of, if I could just get out of the country, I feel like I just need to go on a mission trip. Great, we're going. January 29th. Go ahead and put the slide on the screen. Going back to Nicaragua, January 29th through February 5th. I've shared with you that we want to plant a church in Nicaragua. We're not going to just talk about it. We're going to be about it. We're going to take the steps to actually plant a church in Nicaragua. M maybe, maybe, maybe your relationship with God has become stagnant. Maybe you've been doing the same type of Bible study for 10 years. Maybe you've woken up at the same time every day, said the same prayer, read the same four books of the Bible, and you're stuck in this cycle, and you're wondering where the miraculous is that the Bible talks about. What would happen if you got out of your cycle? What would happen if you got out of your ordinary? What, what, would, happen, what would happen if you started to follow something that was a little crazy like Gideon did? Maybe you've never been on a mission trip. Maybe you want to go back. What I truly believe is that you'll see the miraculous of God when you allow yourself to be available. You'll see the miraculous of God when you're willing. See, God doesn't want excuses. He wants willingness. God, God doesn't want you to say, well, I don't know if I can get vacation time. God doesn't want you to say, well, I don't know if I can take a whole week off. God doesn't want you to say, well, I have a business to run. Side note, if you can't be gone 
from your business and it not function, then you're not running your business. Your business is running you. You need to take a break. Amen. God doesn't want your excuses. He wants your willingness. So like Gideon, are you willing to follow God even if it seems crazy and unorthodox? See, 30,000 down to 10,000 was unordinary. 10,000 to 300 was borderline crazy. But catch this in, in verse 16. That wasn't all that God did. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars. Nobody sees the irony in this. These are warriors. These are the best of the best. This is Leonidas and his boys. But he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. So they split up again with some jars, some trumpets, and some torches. So I have to ask the question again, are you willing to follow God even if it seems crazy and unorthodox? Y'all remember Karate Kid? Wax on, wax off. Like it, it, seemed, it seemed a little crazy. It seemed a little unorthodox. It seemed a little unordinary, but it all had a purpose. Wax on, wax off. That was to block the punches, right? I remember being, I remember being in boot camp. And man, I, I remember, I rem, I, ad nauseum, everything that we did had a purpose. I thought one of the most irrelevant things that we did was when we would go to the chow hall. And we had to hold our trays. And our trays had to be pinched between our thumbs and our fingers. And our elbows had to be pinned to our side. And we had to march as we held our trays. And we'd go put our tray down. And then we had to march back to get our drink. Right? We'd grab our drink with our our little crab claws, and we'd pinch it. That elbow had to be nice and tight, right? And we'd, we'd march back with our little drink, right? Boom, boom, everything was sharp. And then we would place our drink on our table, and then we could sit down and we could eat. What was the purpose of all that? I thought it was irrelevant, but what was the purpose? It trained us to be able to march. It trained us to be able to drill. Everything had a purpose, Everything has a purpose. Will you follow God even if it seems crazy and unorthodox? But this is what I really noticed in the story. The best warriors don't question God. The best of the best. Remember, it's Leonidas and his boys. Could you imagine if there were still 30,000? Can you imagine the conversations that would have happened? Hey, Gideon, why we got these torches? Gideon, why, why, do we have, why do we have the jars? Gideon, why do we have all these trumpets? Gideon, where, where's our weapons? Gideon, where, where's, our, where's, our stool, where's our swords? Gideon, we're going to fight. We need battle weapons. God, what are you putting in my hands? God, what are these talents that you've given me? God, why have you given me this? God, I, I can't impact a community with who I am. God, I, I can't impact people with what you've given me. God, I, I can't communicate to others. God, I, I'm, not, I'm not confident enough. God, I don't, have, I don't have the ability to stop worrying about what God has put in your hands and just trust in who God is. Stop, stop, stop worrying about the trumpets. Stop worrying about the jars. So stop worrying about the flame. Stop worrying that you don't have the right tools in your hand compared to what you think you should have. Just trust in who God is. See, the 300, the 300 just trusted in who God was. And then their part is easy. See, see when you trust in who God is, your part's easy. 
when you trust in what God's placed in your hand, your part is easy. This is what scripture says, verse 21. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. Your part isn't to worry about what God has placed in your hands. Your part is to hold your ground. Your part is just to hold your ground and watch the enemy flee. To expand the kingdom of God. You, you guys ever heard the terminology punching above your weight? Think of boxing. You've heard the terminology that, that fighters have heavy hands. You've heard this terminology. You've heard of, of someone who's dating someone that they shouldn't be dating. And it's usually, not usually, it's always the dude. And you look at the Jen and I were on vacation. And you know what we had fun doing? People watching. We just watch people. We sit down at breakfast, watch people. We're on the beach, we're watching people. We're, we're at dinner, we're watching people. And, and you know, like, I, I have a mouth, so I like to talk a lot. Jenna, on the other hand, when she says something, it's evident to everybody in the world. There was this gentleman that passed us. On a zero to 10 scale, I'll be gracious. I think I can say this out loud. Just a solid four. 3.2. And the girl, the girl, like from Jenna's mouth, not from Zach's, so don't hear this wrong. What in the world is she doing with him? He was punching above his weight class. He had heavy hands. He was punching up. It's like that meeting that you sit in. You have no business being in. Your boss pulls you in. Hey, Sam, we need your input. Like, I shouldn't be in this meeting. I don't know. Y'all, y'all, got, the, y'all got the title. Why am I in here? You're punching above your weight. Sheldon, you're going to be racing in a new series next year. Like, well, I, I, I don't, I mean, yeah, I'm good. I'm good in trucks, but going to Xfinity and punching above your weight. Punching up. There's people in this room, you're you're punching up. Now, in the boxing world, what happens? People start asking questions, why? Why, How did they get all that speed? How did they get all that power? How did they get all that agility? How did they get all that stamina? Why are they so good at what they do? Why are they winning so many fights? Why are they winning so many battles? I know. I know why. Check their gloves. There has to be something wrong with them. Check their gloves. Their gloves have to be loaded. Check, check their gloves. Their hands seem too heavy. There's a famous boxer, and what he would do, he, was act, he would actually put plaster powder in his gloves so that, that when he would, Paul, come here, I told you I was going to use you. So that as, as he's fighting, as he's fighting his opponent, dodging, right? As he's fighting his opponent, had a boy, been working, watch that Achilles, though. But, but as, he, as he's fighting, and as his, as his opponent was sweating, he would, he, would punch, he would punch his opponent. And that powder, that powder would start to harden. That plaster powder would start to get heavy. His gloves were now loaded. His gloves felt like cement. His gloves were loaded. I don't, I don't want you guys to guess in your life. I, I don't want you to guess if your gloves are loaded or not. Can I encourage you that your gloves are already loaded? 
can, can, I, can I encourage you that when you spend time with Jesus, that your gloves are already loaded, that it's not you punching the enemy, that it's not you driving the enemy back, it's not you jabbing, it's not you crossing, it's not you throwing a hook, it's the power of God working in and through you. Your gloves are already loaded. Your gloves are already loaded. Second Corinthians says, where I am weak, he is strong. Now, now think all the way back to week two. Think all the way back to week two. Judges chapter six, starting in verse 11. And the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizar. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat. He was hiding out in the bottom of a wine press. What was he doing? He was hiding the grain from the Midianites. He was scared of the Midianites. He was worried about the Midianites. He was afraid that he couldn't fight them off. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. Mighty warrior. See, God saw what Gideon couldn't see. Gideon saw fear. Gideon saw brokenness. Gideon saw his failure. Replace Gideon's name with yours. You're hiding out in the bottom of the wine press. But I just told you that your gloves are loaded, but you're still hiding out in the bottom of the wine press. I just told you that you have the power of the living God inside of you, but you're still hiding out in the wine press. And the Lord sent me here today to tell you mighty warrior mighty warrior the Lord is with you I, I hope that makes you feel a little uneasy I, I, I hope that makes you feel a little uncomfortable see if I stand up here you can take it if I stand up here you're like oh yeah yeah I'm a mighty warrior but, but if I start to step down and if I start to get a little personal like God does See, God will talk to crowds, but God talks to individuals. And Marina, when God looks at you, He calls you mighty warrior. Believe that you're a mighty warrior. Josh, when, when God calls you a mighty warrior, I can't even look at y'all two. I'm going to somebody I don't like. <laughs> Sam, I like you, but I won't cry if I talk to you. But you can't cry either. Sam, we've had a lot of talks. We're, we're not just going to be a church that talks about it. We're going to be a church that's going to be about it. But to be about it, you have to believe that you're a mighty warrior. Cammie, don't look down because I'm looking at you next. I don't care what life throws at you. You're a mighty warrior. You're a mighty warrior. Sheldon, you're a mighty warrior. Whether you believe it or not, I don't even know who y'all are, but you're, you're mighty warriors. You're mighty warriors. Brittany, I can look at you. Do you believe that you're a mighty warrior? I, I hope, I hope that it makes you uncomfortable. I hope that it makes you uneasy. Zach, do you truly believe that you're a mighty warrior? Do, do you truly believe that the impact that your gym is having on a local community is making a difference in people's lives. Because if you truly believe it, then you'll know that you're a mighty warrior. You don't just own an insurance company, you're a mighty warrior. You don't just own a gym, you're a mighty warrior. People are finding the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus through your gym because you're a mighty warrior. Because you're a mighty warrior. 
and you've done a dang good job with him. I know your story. I know your story. You're both mighty warriors. See, what happens is people don't know the story. They don't know what you've been through. But God sees you. And God knows you're a mighty warrior. You're a mighty warrior. Pastor Doug, I can even come up to you. Why? Because this isn't a title thing. It's just who God calls you. You, you might be my boss, but God calls you a mighty warrior. You're, you're leading a movement from the kingdom of heaven. We're stepping into something new. You're a mighty warrior. You're leading the way. You're setting the pace. You're priming the pump for what's coming in the future. You're a mighty warrior. I don't care who you are in the room. You're a mighty warrior. I don't care what your past is. You're a mighty warrior. Man, I wish somebody would just believe it. You might be feeling it right now. Oh, yeah, I got the goosebumps right now. But will you feel it when you step out of the doors? Will you feel it tomorrow? Will you feel it Tuesday? See, what God does, it might seem a little more unorthodox. It might seem a little crazy. We're not going to have 30,000. You're not going to even have 10,000. You know what? You're not going to even have 300. You might have your spouse. You might have your significant other in the house with you. you. You might have some close friends and some family around you. But at the end of the day, what do you have? You have yourself. You have yourself. And God calls you mighty warrior. So, hey, this is what we're going to do. I, I told the team this. I said, man, I, I expect God to do something today. I have an expectant heart today. And we might go a couple minutes over. That's okay. I don't, if you need to walk out, man, you can walk out. If you need to go pick up your kids, you can go pick up your kids. I promise your kids are okay right now. But if you feel like you need to go, you can. We're going to step back into worship just for a few minutes. And this is what I want us to do. I want us to treat this stage like an altar. And I want us to begin to move out of our seats. And I want us to begin to come to the center of the stage or around the edge of this stage. And I want you to sing this song to heaven, believing that God has called you mighty warrior. Let all the redeemed, the redeemed, those who believe in Jesus, prophesy. What are you prophesying? That you're a mighty warrior? Because I don't believe it right now. I don't feel it right now, God. But I know you're calling me to be a mighty warrior. And I'm going to sing like I'm a mighty warrior. I can begin to move out of your chairs. I'm going to sing like I'm a mighty warrior. I can hear the wind blowing. 